Hey there, and welcome to Involvement Interrupted, conversations with friends of the student involvement team at Duke University about the connections and meaning found in and through life's interruptions. Hi, everyone who is joining us today on this adventure that is the third episode of Involvement Interrupted. Um, We are so grateful. It's been, for me, it's been a really fun couple of weeks to be starting to hear some feedback from those of you who have been tuning in. So just know, um, we'll say that if you like, if there's anything that you're thinking of in terms of questions, comments, ideas for directions that we can take this um, podcast, this adventure, we're so excited to keep hearing that feedback more than anything today. We are so excited to be sitting down with an amazing member of our team who I will, um, well, I'll just say, <laughs> no, no, no. I'll let, Ati, I'll let you introduce yourself fully in a moment. Keith, anything to add before we, we um, ask T for an introduction? Um, I don't think so. And here we go for episode three. And honestly, this is the one I've been looking forward to for a while now. I know we asked UT a few weeks ago if you would do this. And um, I think Sarah and I have been overcome with joy and just excitement to have this conversation because you were just such an authentic and ray of light in the world. Um, I think this is just going to be a fantastic opportunity for the world to get to know you and and everything you bring to Duke and just, just, I don't know, everything you bring to the world. It's such, it's such a gift. We're very lucky. So even in like, even when Keith and I were conceptualizing this project, um, T your name was one of the first ones that we were like, we can't wait for hopefully if we ever get to sit down with you. So today feels like an incredible gift. Um, Without much more ado, I wonder, T, if you would just tell us, like, general intro stuff, um, your name, your pronouns, if you want to, and then, like, your role, um, where you're at, uh, at Duke, Keith, anything else we should be adding? Um, whatever else you want to share. I'll have a follow-up question that I could ask in a little bit, but love to just hear a little bit more about you. Okay. Okay. Well, I hope I live up to the hype because <laughs> I too have been super excited to participate in the podcast. I love podcasts. So, and the first two episodes have been amazing. So I'm really excited and honored that you all wanted to chat with me about everything, but um, to introduce myself, hi everybody. I am Tierra Beck Scott. I am the associate director on the student involvement team here at Duke. Um, I've been at Duke for about six years, which is crazy to think about because I never thought I would be anywhere for that long. Um, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, this is just going to be such a joy. So could you tell us a little bit more about like what your role is as the associate director for student involvement and student engagement and what you do in that role? And, you know, we all know that you are, are, you know, our historian and definitely the person who like is the backbone of this department at this point. Um, but could you tell us a little more about like the areas you support and um, what areas you're interacting with on a daily basis? Yeah. Um, my role has evolved. Like it probably, probably is timely that we're having this conversation because I feel like I am just now actually 
doing most of what my role was designed to be. Um, currently, I am the advisor to Duke Student Government. Um, I also am managing our entire team now, um, <laughs> along with running the contracts process for all of our student organizations on campus. And at this point, I really am acting more as an, a liaison to other departments and like as needed as we are sort of thinking about what this fall is going to look like in this whole new world <laughs> right now. Um, so just in a lot of conversations around policy and you know, really thinking of and weighing the pros and cons of every decision that we are making right now. So it's just a lot of meetings, not not much event planning much anymore, but um, I get to talk to a lot of people <laughs> all day long. <laughs> Does that answer your question, Keith? 100%. I, I have a quick follow-up, if that's okay. Um, this is just a very random question, and it's a question I, I threw on this little sheet earlier today, um, but I've like you will give a really good answer to this, and I'm sorry if it's going to catch you off guard. Um, but if your life was a movie or a TV show, it could be on Netflix, it could be on VH1, whatever it's on, um, what genre would it be? Okay. I can also give an answer if that's easier, if that gives you more time. Genre. I feel like... I feel like the genre that, like my life would it be is that was that the question probably like full-blown dramedy like <laughs> probably full-blown like lots of laughs but probably some moments of like oh that wasn't quite right <laughs> but not staying in that very long and you know coming to a resolution what I would what I like to think of my life as is a reality tv show though <laughs> a great reality tv talking head like, I don't know if, like, in, like, the game I would be the best, but I would have the best commentary for the producers. Like, I think I would be really good at that. <laughs> My thought bubble is usually really interesting. <laughs> that, I believe, 100%. That's, like, a, that's a, like a selfish wish of mine. Sometimes I wish in meetings I could, like, see the thought bubble above your head because I know it's very interesting <laughs> yeah I've, I've I've learned over time that everything I'm thinking does not need to come out of my mouth so bubble <laughs> is good there's some quality things <laughs> that is so funny that's so good Keith I am curious to hear your answer too um since you said that you had it already figured out well listen if I'm gonna answer you have to answer now too so get your answer ready um, I would probably say either just like a, like, I don't know, like a coming of age comedy would be either one option, but the other option I would probably throw in there is like, what is it? Those, um, like horror comedic movies. I thought, I, don't, I forgot what they're called. I love horror movies. Like I love scary movies. Halloween's my favorite holiday of the year. So, like, any of that stuff, I will literally probably throw on a, a scary movie tonight just because it's a fun time. And I don't know. I don't get scared, except for by tornadoes. Tornadoes terrify me. Um, but, yeah, we'll say one of those. I Probably right now, if y'all have seen Booksmart, <laughs> that would be, like, like, amazing. That would be a great, great movie for me. That's such a good one. I'm, I, um... 
am so scared so easily. Everything scares me, <laughs> which is funny because not that many things scare me in real life. Like I don't feel very like very afraid very often of things I probably should be afraid of, like bees. I don't know. I don't feel afraid of bees, but I feel so afraid of scary movies. Like I cannot deal. Um. Okay, I've figured it out. The genre that my life would be as a movie would be like one of those um like indie flicks that the whole the only structure of the film is the soundtrack you know like that's the only redeeming quality the rest of it you're like I don't really understand who these characters are or like why they're doing what they're doing but then you're like oh but the soundtrack is so good (laughs) that would be fine oh my gosh Honestly, I would support our our office doing a remake of like The Breakfast Club, um, but that just that would require us to be back in person one day. But once that happens, I I think we should just take a day offline, and that's what we do. It's just we redo or remake The Breakfast Club as our office, and David could be in there somewhere. He can be the principal. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. I, that's the best idea I've ever heard. My life is about to be interrupted by this idea because it's so good. That's all I'm going to think about now. It's so funny. <laughs> oh yes. Um, T. I would love to hear more. Just about maybe this is like sort of selfish, but I think just because um, you have such a depth of experience, especially at Duke, that. Like, Keith and I don't even know the history of your time. Um, I'd love to hear not just about, like, your work specifically, but about, like, thinking with the idea of involvement in general. Like, what what has your involvement at Duke looked like, um, like, over the years? Kind of however you want to take that. And then I'd also love to hear, it's, like, two parts, but I'd love to hear if there's favorite things like what do you like or love about your job or like the pieces of your job as it's changed um over the last years yeah yeah so I came to Duke in 2014 on a whim like I wasn't job searching when I (laughs) applied for this job I was happily living my best life at um University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana but um was really excited for the prospect of getting closer to where my family was. My parents live about an hour and a half away from where I live currently. So, you know, I was happy where I was at, but I was like, well, let me throw my name in the hat, right? What's the worst that can happen? I don't get hired and I'm still at a job that I like. Um, So I went through the process during the summer of 2014 and ended up accepting the position and arriving to Duke in early fall, like right after um, orientation wrapped. And, you know, I started as um, one of the, then we were called program coordinators. (laughs) They're now student development coordinators. But back then they were program coordinators. And I got to work with, um, I was really excited because in my role at U of I, I was singularly working with the programming board. Like that was my full-time position. I worked with four committees and I helped manage our version of Welcome Week and, you know, like did a traditional student involvement role. And I was super excited about the role here because um, I was 
going to get to work with um, SOFC, which is the Student Organization Finance Committee, and I was going to get to work with Launch, um, and I was going to get to finally be responsible for concerts um, and other large-scale things, and that was... I was kind of beginning to develop as my specialty area, but, you know, obviously way more money here, way more shows here. And I was just really excited about the scale and scope of things. And with the um, SOFC component, I was super excited to get to delve a little bit more into student government because I hadn't really had those experiences. Um, And it just felt like an opportunity where I could reinvent myself differently. And the team at the time, we were... (laughs) Poor Kyle, Kyle Fox, who is still at Duke, was managing our team of all women and (laughs) all like powerhouse ladies on campus. And I'm sure he loved that. (laughs) It was just really, really nice to come into that environment. I made friends really quickly and I just felt like there was so much autonomy and ability to just like learn and grow in a way that I was I was really looking for and didn't realize that I was missing in my previous role. Um, So that was how I started here. And along the way, there's just been so many opportunities to try and do different things. I've gotten promoted into an assistant director here and I've since got promoted into an associate director position. And I just have had a really lovely opportunity to grow and try things and, you know, and get the opportunity to do things that I probably, I couldn't have imagined for myself six years ago. So for that, um, I just am really thankful, um, how that has presented. Cause your second question was around favorite things, you know, in my time here at Duke, I've gotten to, I got to go to the national championship, um, in 2015 on a whim because they needed a second person to get on the bus with students to go to the final four. And I was fortunate enough to be flexible enough to say, um, yes, and go, and they they kept winning, and it was just, <laughs> and it was just a really awesome opportunity to connect with staff in another department that I hadn't really met at the time, and you know just also showcase that you know my openness and willingness to do whatever, um, and it was crazy. <laughs> we took uh, I think it was a hundred students to Indy for. Uh, unknown amount of days because we were either going to be there for two days or we were going to be there for five days and we weren't sure. So um, it was really, it was really fun. I also got to go to China a couple years ago for three months because Duke was trying to help them get ready for their first um, group of students that were coming in. So there's just been a numerous amount of opportunities like that, that have just been like eye-opening, life-changing and have like changed my course in a way that I couldn't have assumed would happen, which I think is my favorite thing about working at Duke is no day, no two days are the same. Even if your schedule looks the same, no two days look the same. And there's just this nimbleness to just try things where I haven't always experienced that. Um, And I, I just really appreciate it. I feel like I have been able to learn, grow and like flourish in a way that I feel like I'm much better now than I was when I got here (laughs) six years ago. (laughs) That was a very long answer. (laughs) I was, I like, wish. oh, you know what? I just realized this is recorded. I was like, we have to, like, how do I write this all down? How do I document all of this? But it, 
literally is a podcast. <laughs> I'm um, one thing to you that I'm thinking about, or maybe just that I've like observed about like either, I don't know if it's like your character, just who you are, but I do think of you as someone who is really good at um, saying yes to things. It's funny, we were just joking about like my, <laughs> about like improv and the idea of like saying yes and to whatever opportunity is presented. But I do think of you as someone that like I look to um, with even just these stories of like these random opportunities falling in your lap and not everyone would respond to those things I think a lot of folks that I've seen like um, be offered opportunities will react more in fear and say like, this isn't in my wheelhouse. This isn't like what I feel comfortable with or even comfortable that I know how to like perform excellently. But that I think, I know for me that can like really stifle my growth when I like react in fear that way. And I think of you as someone who models the opposite of that really well by saying like, yeah, sure. I will like get on this bus or I will go to China or I will like step into this role where there's need and like learn my way into it very gracefully. I'm grateful for that about you. It is uh, uh, in some of the questions that you asked later, like that really, I I'm of the belief that the more it scares me, like the more it makes me nervous, the more that I'm like, Oh, there's so many reasons why I shouldn't do something that is like, the exact reason why I should do it. And I really try to lean into that because there were so many reasons why I wanted to say no to China, but all of them were really trivial. Like who's going to take care of my dog? And my parents were like, like, we're going to take care of your dog. Like, why are you worried about that? Or like, I'm going to miss all these great moments, you know, at the end of the school year, you know, and all of my favorite students are going to be gone when I get back. And there were so many reasons why I wanted to say no, but I'm like, all of that is trivial and the, you know, the opportunity and how much growth potential I have for that experience. It just really outweighed all that. Like, I don't know, Mandarin. I don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> what do I know? Why me? Um, but yeah, I think I, everything that scared me like that has been the exact right choice to just do it. Yeah. I love that. I just, I, I've really been trying to do that. And I honestly, I think it's, probably because of, of being on this team and just so many life changes lately, um, but like leaning into discomfort a lot more uh, of just like being okay with not being okay or being okay with not feeling exactly, you know, like at ease, because I think when you're not at ease, it's when you're going to grow the most and you're going to figure out who you are and where you're going in life. Um, so that's, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing. I just, I, I aspire to be you. Um, I think so many people could probably share that sentiment though. So if you're out there and you agree, make sure you hit like and subscribe. Um, <laughs> um, so T, could you tell us a little bit more about your experience of like interruption as a whole, since this is involvement interrupted? Um, is there anything that you've really discovered to be meaningful or, or beautiful about these changes or interruptions in life? Yeah, and and thinking about that question, I I really, I feel like my whole life has been like a series of interruptions. Like I grew up a military kid. My, we moved a lot. Like the longest period of time that I ever lived anywhere before being an adult was from like three to 10, we lived in one place. And then every 
couple of years after that, we, we moved all the time. My dad was active in the military until I graduated from high school. So between middle school and when I graduated high school, I moved five different, I went to like five different schools. So I really had to lean into really getting comfortable with like change and change quickly and not getting stuck in the things that I can't control and like just trying to do what I can. Right. For me, like in that period of time, it was like, you just want to graduate school, graduate high school so that you can get to college and figure out some stability in that place, which college for me was the first time that I felt really stable around like not feeling like I wanted to move. And in, in undergrad, I was an RA for three of the four years. Like I lived on campus, like I was super involved in that experience. And, you know, it provided a lot of stability in, in an area that had not been stable like that for me. Like really my, it, it was me, my brother and my mom and my dad. And that was like, everyone else was like in and out, in and out, in and out. So I feel like that growing up in that level of interruption probably has <laughs> created the person I am today who is, who appears to be really adaptable and like willing to say yes. And like, you know, happy to jump in where it makes sense because I really had to do that a lot to one, make friends and figure out how I was going to be involved for whatever moment I was going to be somewhere and just, you know, trying to create memories and moments, even if it was for whatever short period of time. So, um, yeah, I think that probably speaks to that experience of interruptions. And then, you know, even in my time here, we've had moments of interruption too. Like when I left and went to China and, you know, leaving the team and trying to help them prepare while I was gone and coming back and trying to figure out where I fit into what the new iteration of the team was. And then our team is completely brand new now. And the interruption of, you know, us trying to discover who we are as a team. And, you know, now this moment that we're in a pandemic and, you know, I think, We've, we have, and I have personally had to continue to evolve and, you know, acknowledge the interruption, but not get stuck there and just trying to create a path forward so that one, cause I work better in that environment of like, <laughs> but to, you know, help those around me to also not feel stuck in whatever the pieces we can't control. Cause there's only so much we can control um, and being able to push through where it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I love um how do I say this? Sometimes I think with people I admire, um, I get really angry <laughs> because I'm like, I don't understand like how sometimes I I like feel like I put a pressure on myself to just like do better or be better without recognizing that the qualities or attributes that I admire like came from somewhere and that for the things I want to grow in that like practice and um I don't know it's it's helpful for me to hear that like these amazing attributes that I feel like we all see in you now of like your ability to say yes and adapt and like even like lead a team through ambiguity that that is like coming from like years of practice and like those skills and virtues that like you've developed over like so much time. That's encouraging for someone like me who's like, 
how do I like, you know, gain these things or learn these things and realizing like, oh, it's through like going through like interruptions and learning how to metabolize them into change and growth. And I don't know. I think that, that feels helpful to like normalize the process a little bit. It's having patience, you know, I think that's one thing I'm, I'm really realizing, especially hearing both of them talk about this is just sometimes it, it requires you to be patient and understanding and give yourself, give yourself like the space and grace that you need. Um, cause sometimes you do have to turn down that amazing opportunity and you have to wait for the next best one. Um, but it's not, you know, kicking yourself over and over again. If you realize it was a mistake, it's being you know, gracious with yourself and allowing yourself the time that you need to process that, but also being patient through the process of, of sometimes, um, you know, change doesn't happen overnight and growing through those changes and becoming a better person or the person that you want to be takes time. Um, so I, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much to you. I appreciate it. Could you, ex- could you, I have a quick follow-up on that. Um, I know you were talking about all these things that are changing now and, you know, how you're kind of navigating um, life in this very moment, but what, what does connection look like for you, you know, in this season, if that means this season is during a pandemic, if that means this season is we are in the first day of July, if that means this season, sorry, the month of the month, um, if that means this season is during, you know, a political uprising and a cultural movement, um, whatever that looks like for you, what does, what does connection look like in this moment? Yeah. Connection in this moment, I feel like it's so hard, but so important. <laughs> um, I, I was lucky enough that I got to see Sarah about two or three weeks ago when she was delivering some veggies (laughs) my way. And it was like a real moment of like, oh my gosh, the only people that I've seen in person in the past three months are my parents and my brother, sister-in-law and nephew. So like seeing another person and someone that I care about and that I haven't like someone that I spent every Monday through Friday with, you know, talking through things and just, I just realized it's like, oh my gosh, I miss, I miss this. And I can't wait to, to, until we're all in space with one another, because to me, that is so important. Like my love language is quality time. So like being physically unable to experience that outside of a zoom or a phone call or a FaceTime setting is really difficult. But I feel like in this moment, me and a lot of the people that I'm close with, like, I feel like we have leaned into being more intentional about connecting where like a lot of people that I hold really dearly, they, they are, they were not the people that I felt like I was talking to that much. And I think this has been a moment to remind myself, like spending, don't allow yourself to get so busy that you can't even invest in the people that you really care about. Um, so it's been really, really nice, you know, even if it's just a quick text or, you know, a call or just setting up, socials and hangouts and whatever I feel like that has become even more important because it would be so easy to just like I could just as easily sit in my room and play um Animal Crossing and watch Netflix and probably not talk to another human for a little while but that would only feed me for so long because I do so much enjoy you know connecting with other people so I feel like I in this season have remembered how important connection is and that 
you have to invest in the relationships that you want and they're not just going to like manifest themselves without you putting effort into that. Um, so yeah, I think in this moment, I just recognize that, that it's just, it's more important than ever, truly. Yeah, I think of, um, like, I know I had, and still continue to have, but I have a lot of relationships that I just sort of assume will be there. And I feel like this time has shifted me, especially, this is funny, but I'm noticing it not as much with like the people I'm so close with, where it feels really easy to like send them a text, like do a call, but it's, it's sort of the people that like make up the daily fabric of my life that I did assume before all of this, that I, that now I'm like, Oh my gosh, like y'all didn't know how much (laughs) you like made up a life for me. That also seeing you in the parking lot, dropping off veggies meant the entire world to me. I was like, oh my gosh, I miss so much. It's weird that like not seeing people that like you, like you said, like I think we take for granted just those like one-off interactions that in the moment don't feel like that much, but they make up, they like are puzzle pieces to such like a bigger piece for all of us. So I was like, yeah, I felt like <laughs> And like take a couple minutes in the car afterwards and be like, okay. <laughs> oh my heart's gonna explode yeah so true um this is sort of a follow-up to like just what we've been talking about with the idea of like interruptions even like forming us in certain ways or like creating gifts in us um I wonder the the question that we have is how have you learned to make meaning out of challenges or changes? And I think I'm interested, especially in like what, like if you have any practices of like ways to even foster your own resilience or your ability to like face and encounter challenges or changes, um, anything that like, yeah, that you lean on to help that process. I feel like I, I don't know that, and maybe they're still not good, but <laughs> pre-pandemic, I, I feel like some of my practices were way less intentional. Like I've always really been into music and just like that being a space for me when I'm feeling like the most like, ugh, like can bring me out of it or like mentally prepare me for difficult conversations or like prepare me for things that I know will be hard. Um, but I, in, in this particular moment, I've really leaned into journaling and like being consistent in that practice, which sounds like so hippy dippy, but maybe that's just who I am as a person. (laughs) Um, But like it has from a, we, there's so much going on. Like creating the space in my brain to not just ruminate on all the things that I have no control over. Like journey journaling has just been really important and helpful to just like center my thoughts. And even though most of the journal, the, the prompts that I have, they don't have anything to do with what's happening currently in life. Like my prompt last night was like, what is something that you've learned this week? Like just very generic, but also it just allows me to think about anything else. Um, and I have found that to be really helpful in, in what is this present challenge of 
We don't know how long this moment is going to last. There are only so many pieces of this that I can control and, you know, building and creating the capacity to be able to, you know, keep pushing forward and, you know, being a positive presence for our team too, because I know as much as on me, there's more on y'all and I, you know, just being very cognizant of that. So I feel like that's been one of my resilience practice. I really have been leaning into, you know, that connection piece of like connecting with friends and like creating that social environment where, you know, I have that outlet, be it either through house party or Zoom or Marco Polo or whatever that is, just like seeing faces and, you know, spending time with my family and just trying to create spaces to decompress because it's so necessary now and making myself take vacation, <laughs> taking the break that I, that I, that I need and would be doing if we weren't in a pandemic time. So, you know, I think just trying to create space for myself where I'm, where I don't have, do, do not ruminate on things that I can't really control right now. So that, that's really, I feel like where I am designating my energy <laughs> right now that is so so real uh, I just love that piece about uh, just not trying to control every single aspect of your life that, that is something that um, if anybody knows me over these past few weeks has just been very true and real um, it's just not always trying to just I want to put things on a leash and walk it around town because that's not how life works and you're, you're never going to be able to control life the way that you might want to. Um, so that's so real. And I, I also really appreciated you know, you're talking about not ruminating on things and not letting things consume you in life. Um, and that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately is like sometimes you, you can't control the, the situations in life, but you can control how you react to them. Um, and you can control, you know, what you're going to do in response to those things. And sometimes that's feelings and it's emotions. And I'm also trying to learn to allow myself to feel those things and encouraging others to do the same things. It's like, feel that pain, feel that mad, feel that anger, feel that sadness, feel that happiness, but then figure out what you're going to do next. Like, what is your next step after that? What are you going to do to, to make tomorrow a better day? Um, and to, to make somebody else's life a joy and, you know, a little bit happier. Um, so I really appreciate that. And I love that you're, you're taking all this time to journal. One day when you are president of the United States, you don't have know how valuable it's going to be to have those journals. And then we're going to publish them and we're just going to be like, holy crap. She was like the, the, self, the self-care, self-help queen of our lives. And we didn't even know it. Sarah remembers like when we started a pandemic, I was not journaling. But I had like two or three journals in my car. Like I had bought them like months ago telling myself I was going to journal and then never did anything with them. And then we might've been at that point, what, like two weeks in and I was like, maybe I'll just bring them in the house, you know, like <laughs> maybe I'll just start there. And then, you know, I just started doing it. And now when I don't journal at night, like I feel nervous about that. of like, I didn't take the time to like settle it. So it's, I created a habit. I guess it works when you do something. <laughs> it is now a habit. <laughs> I do. I love that idea, though, of like, it sounds funny. I feel like um, 
not a lot of folks are good at listening to like what their body or spirits are like craving. And I like, I push against that all the time. Like sometimes I'm like, I should do this thing that's good for me. And then the rest of my life is like, no, <laughs> like you, that's like weak or that's like, you don't have time, like all these excuses. And I do love the idea of like, even just those small actions of like, well, what if I just bring these in the house? You know, if that's like the craving that you have and then suddenly you find yourself like in this habit that is like exactly what you needed. And you're like, oh, I think, I don't know if this is what you're saying, but I'm hearing this idea of like, it sounds like you listened to like what you needed in this season. Yeah. Like I knew I needed something. Like I knew I was like stir crazy. Cause I, I live alone. Like I have, I have my dog, but I mean, it's, it's me and my dog for the majority of the time if I'm not down at my parents' house. So I was I need something that will just allow me to process all of the things that are happening that I can't control. Like I like doing some of the sleep stories and stuff, but that wasn't completely doing it for me. Like I needed to process, like (laughs) write it out a little bit more. So yeah, I think for me, it has been so, it has made a hell of a difference. (laughs) It's something I oftentimes find, I feel like the leaders that I most often end up admiring are folks who do have like a dedicated, like self practice. Um, because I think sometimes I think like the higher up you get, probably the more pressure is on you to like not spend your time in that way. And, but I think it ends up like creating leadership that's like reactive and frantic and like not necessarily, um, wise. Mm -hmm. And I do think of you as very wise. (laughs) We're grateful for your journaling. (laughs) I know that we said this before. I know Sarah and I have said it in probably both of the previous episodes. But this, like this time every single week just gives me so much joy. Like it's just, I don't know, it's so enlightening. I hope people are half as enlightened as we are at home because I swear the entire time I'm on here, I'm just like smiling from ear to ear just trying to be like, how can I absorb all this and like find a way to just spread these these messages out into the world. So uh, thank you all so much for being here. Um, T, what are, what are you hopeful about right now? What are, what are you finding hope in the moment, in the days to come, in our society, in our country, our culture? What is it that gives you hope and makes you feel like the next day is going to be better? I feel like we're really in like a moment. I, I really try not to be too hopeful because I don't like to be disappointed, but I feel like in the world, I am hopeful that we will see some real lasting, meaningful change. It does feel like the energy feels different. I think there have been a lot of things that have happened as of late that have been eye-opening for people. And, you know, I think the fact that we're in a moment of like a triple pandemic probably, you know, is resonating with people. So I'm really I'm really hopeful that, you know, maybe not this year, but maybe next year things will, you know, look a little bit different. Maybe the air will be a little bit cleaner. You know, we will have more, you know, we will feel less tested in our civil rights and liberties than I think we feel right now. Um, 
Hopefully we'll have a new president. Um, <laughs> biggest hope lies there. That would be my biggest one. Um, I think in our work, I, I'm hopeful that, you know, although it feels very complicated and complex right now, that we will be able to create an experience that our students can be excited about, that we can be excited to execute, and that in a year from now, we will be really proud of what we accomplished and, you know, can look back on it as like, look at all the things that we learned this past year and how many pieces of our work selves we stretched into ways that we probably didn't even imagine (laughs) just a few months ago. Like, I think we are all tapping into skills that we didn't even realize we were interested in having. (laughs) And and I think that's really exciting. Um, I'm hopeful that, you know, our team will begin to imagine what everyone wants to do next. Like, in the realm of like what new skills have they learned that will help them do that next thing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I am personally just hopeful that we're going to all be okay on the other side of this. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's probably my biggest hope is that we all get through this as un- unscathed as possible, but better and more prepared for, whatever is going to come next. Cause this won't be the last thing that <laughs> maybe it won't be a pandemic. <laughs> I hope we don't have another pandemic coming our way. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, I'm not when that's done, but, <laughs> but I, I'm hopeful that we will, you know, be better prepared for whatever the next thing is. And it won't feel like, you know, we're completely run off the road. Like it kind of felt <laughs> this time around. <laughs> yes. I love the idea that um, hope is not um, like hope can still be a reflection of like the realities, even when the realities are really hard. And that I love the shift in perspective of like being hopeful about what we're like learning and the progress that's being made like through trial and yeah, that's a helpful way to think about like what hope is. It's not like some idealistic like yeah. <laughs> pretending. But. I would love to be idealistic right now. I think I'm just probably right now in a very like realistic like moment, like trying to just reaffirm what I think we actually can do. <laughs> and maybe I'll get back to that super idealistic, but I think that's where my head is at right now. It's like that really like tangible space. I love that. Yeah, I think that's that's what actually feels the most hopeful to me is folks who are focusing on tangible, real, like what we've got in front of us. Um, T, the wrap-up question that we've been giving all of our guests on Involvement Interrupted is, um, I'm excited to hear this from you. If you were able to give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be and why? Yeah, I thought about this question a lot because I felt like I needed to process it too. Like, (laughs) what would I tell myself? Um, What I really thought about is what what I would tell my younger self when I look back on like teenage Tierra and even college Tierra, like really like 
live in the moment and say yes. I feel like I've learned that over time, but I wish I would have really leaned into that a lot sooner. Um, I've had so much joy in those moments where I said yes when it scared me the most. And I wish that I would have done that sooner. And I see a lot of that in our students is like being so anxious about making a mistake that like you don't really allow yourself the space to like do that. So like you don't step out into the things that might be a little bit more difficult and there's not like a clear path or there's not like an exact right answer. And I feel like every time that I have leaned into that discomfort of like, just do it, like, just don't even worry about it. Just try it. Just go. Just say yes. We'll figure out the details later. It's been so rewarding, like deciding that I didn't want to be a lawyer and like figuring out that I wanted to do this work. That was a shift, like coming, applying for a job that I didn't even really think I wanted and, you know, stepping into that, like saying yes to going to China, saying yes to hopping on a bus with people I didn't really know. I've, every time it's been, I've learned more, I've grown more, and I, I am super thankful on the other side of that. So I wish I would have learned that lesson much sooner. <laughs> That's just incredible. I just, yeah. I, you just are, and again, this is not to just, you know, gush all over you for a while but you were just such an inspiration to so many people and i've only known you since february now um but like you were just such a a light in, in the world and um i think if i know you don't always feel your best every day and neither does everybody else but um if the world was a little bit more like you i think we would all be in a much better place um so i'm i'm just so grateful that you took the time to, to be here with us today and that you took the time to share so much about yourself with us and that you felt comfortable enough to open up and um, to be your most authentic self in this space, because I think it's tough to do. I think it's tough to, to wear your heart on your sleeve and um, all of your experiences is a nice badge on your chest. Um, so I'm super grateful. Um, I wanted to open it up for any final thoughts as we're kind of wrapping up our, our session here and see if anybody has anything they want to share or, you know, anything that like really resonated today and things that we should get out into the world. The long silence. You, you can't see this, but we're all like looking into each other's eyes very intently. And <laughs> um, I think that I hope this podcast goes on long enough that we get to have tea back again <laughs> because I like even at the end there I was like wait a minute there's so many things we haven't like delved completely <laughs> into like I didn't I don't think I knew that you were going to be a lawyer yeah. so until my senior year of college I was planning to go to law school and then I decided I didn't want to do that anymore <laughs> so I got a uh, master's in public administration instead <laughs> Yeah, it was a complete shift. Like, from childhood, I, everyone knew I was going to be an attorney. Like, it was just it. But, yeah, a story for another day. <laughs> another day. I can't wait. I selfishly am glad that you are not an attorney right now. That yeah. is a gift to me. <laughs> me too. I think I probably am where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> you would be a great attorney, but I would. I... I need you where you are. 
<laughs> you, I, I laughed when Keith said, you know, uh, being authentic and wearing your heart on your sleeve. I'm a cancer, so I can't help it. I just have a lot. I have all the feels. <laughs> it's who I am. <laughs> I feel like that's a great final thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all that other like profound stuff, and then I end up. <laughs> 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 Wait, Sarah, what what is your your sign? I think you're a uh, Scorpio, right? Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What? what are you? I'm a Leo. Yeah. Got two water signs and a fire sign. There we go. I always thought that Scorpios would be fire signs, but they're not. It's so strange to me. Yeah, I don't know the the water connection, but they are certainly water signs. <laughs> well, what a way to to end this episode. <laughs> Uh, thank y'all so much for being here today. Uh, we do have just a couple of special thanks that we wanted to, to send out into the world before we sign off officially. Um, so special thanks to T, obviously. Thank you for, for joining us today and going on this adventure with us and also just supporting us through this as well. You've been such a, a massive advocate of this and we are super grateful. Um, thanks to the entire Duke Student Engagement team for following along and really lifting us up and making Sarah and I feel that this matters and this this really is taking us to the next place. Um, thanks to the, the Duke Division of Student Affairs and Duwell for their support and sharing of the series. We've seen them pop up multiple times on social media and in different newsletters and sharing this, so thank you so much for that. Um, the entire Duke community for providing Sarah and I a platform to share, you know, light and messages of hope in, even if hope isn't always where we are. Um, and then for you, our listeners, wherever you are and however this episode finds you today, we are eternally grateful and we can't wait for the next episode, which is TBD. We'll figure out when that happens and who it's going to be, but you'll know soon. And wrap. <laughs> I fully believe this is going to be our most popular episode. Oh my gosh. We'll see. <laughs> I believe that we will win.